Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Not Your Average Joe, the podcast that'll make anyone a little less average. I'm your host, Joe Franco, and I'm a lover of conversation. I'm a lover of growth, and I'm a lover of diving into people's minds, especially global minds. And I've been able to travel around the world and meet some of the most amazing people. All of these connections that I've made over the years have so much wisdom to share that it would be a shame to keep it all to myself. We're gonna talk about everything from travel to language to finance and fitness, all on a quest to transform real life stories into tangible takeaways so we could all be a little less average. Today, we're gonna dive into what it is to be not so average and since this is the first episode i figured we should get to know each other a little better what better way to get to know me than by having somebody who really knows me ask me the questions i invited my best friend omnia who's my egyptian soul sister we'll cover everything from my immigration story leaving brazil growing up in the states to how I got over a million subscribers on a YouTube channel, to the time I hosted a Netflix show, and to the life-changing event where I ended up getting shot and lived to tell the tale with a bullet in my back. Let's get into the interview. It's about time you have a podcast. Every time I record, I'll probably be in a different location. So if you hear Vespas, if you hear Mm. ambulances, if you hear people screaming in Italian. Dogs. We're here. Things. This We're is here. part of the process. So Omnia, Habibi, Hamis, yes. welcome. Thank you, my love. It's my it's my honor to be here. Do the intro, sis. You know she's not your average Joe, not your average Joe. Omnia is the anti-social media friend. I hate social media. She is always on my stories. She's always in my videos, but <laughs> we're very similar, but we live totally different lives as far as like sharing our lives yes. publicly. Yeah. You know me online and offline. I do. But you really know, you know me, me offline. offline. Absolutely, that's where, that's where it is for me. So what do you think about all of this? I have a few thoughts. One, it's about time you get a podcast. <laughs> it's been what, 20 years in the making, 15 years in the making, because you have such a dynamic voice and you live an incredible life and you see incredible things that so many average people don't. And I'm super happy that you get to share nuggets of wisdom with all of us and introduce us to new people along the way. I'm excited to introduce everyone to the people that are so close to me Yeah, that I feel like I just want to have conversations yeah. with them and, and share the conversations because how many times have we had conversations that have changed the directions of our lives or that have shed wisdom that we wouldn't have had. My life has been a collection of these moments with strangers who might have said something and just by listening it plants a seed that grows into something much bigger. Usually bigger than anything I could have ever imagined. And maybe conversations on this podcast will be sources of those inspirational things for you. Talk to One me. of the things I love about you as a woman, as a human, as a friend, is you enjoy conversations. You know, like you're my girl to grab to actually have conversations, real conversations in life. Banter, the whole package. It's an exchange of ideas 
ideas. Not a lot of people are, are into that. You know that. Not a lot of people can be like, yeah, let's go and explore the universe and each other's minds. And I want to know what this person thinks and why and how. And you're, you're that person. It's very rare to find that. You think so? I think so. I think so. Like you and I can have an amazing night out and go home at 4 a.m. And it will all be talking. <laughs> The whole time. It will time. just be talking with, with everyone, with strangers, with friends. To me, what a night out looks like is talking and a lot more listening, asking people the hard questions, the uncomfortable questions, the fun questions. That is how we've been living every single night. Yep. So we're currently on a road trip in Italy. We started in Milan and we're here in Rome now. So it's been 10 days of us just talking every day. I ask so many questions. I'll never forget the day that you, you were like, Joe, I think you just think more than the average person you know you are always thinking she's th this woman is no joke like you you are you <laughs> this woman is no joke okay so we're on a road trip from milan mm -hmm. to rome mm -hmm. in italy yes we're both 29 this year beautiful adventure we've been friends since 19 10 years of a friendship 10 years of a friendship and one of the things i love about you is your constant like need to grow and to learn and to be sharper and to be better and to be wiser and like everything has a meaning everything has a purpose and if it's useless it's gotta go so this trip is so beautiful because you are making me think about the hard questions and you're making making me think about the why and the how. And even on a nonchalant drive where I just want to listen to music and think about nothing. <laughs> I come in with the questions. She comes in with like a super strong question out of nowhere. And I'm like, and like I love how you just ask me the questions when I'm trying to like not think about anything. I'm like, I cannot help it. And I, I bet that that's just a preview of what happens in your universe. Like you are constantly thinking about how you can be a better person. That's why you're not average. It's not even so much like a, a consciousness that I'm like, oh, how do I evolve? I think I'm just curious. Yeah. Tip number one about not being an average Joe. Be curious and ask the questions, no matter how silly they are. You know how you live your life the way that you are and you don't really realize that it's any kind of other way until somebody tells you, hey, this is different. So I didn't realize that I even had this curiosity until it was almost 10 years ago. My nephew was about to be born and I was in the waiting room and I was sitting next to his grandfather on his dad's side. And my nephew's grandfather, who did not know me at all, he was like, have you ever thought about broadcast journalism? And I'm like, mm. I don't even know what that is. <laughs> I was like, what is that? He's like, well, you're, you're doing it. What you're doing right now is that. And you know, when you're in college, you don't really hear about these careers you hear business yep. you hear Medicine. finance you hear law yeah so when he said to me he's like i've been a journalist my entire life mm -hmm. and you would make a hell of a broadcast journalist it's being curious mm -hmm. and it's following up wanting to know more and i was like what if i could make a career out of curiosity mm. and that's kind of the journey that i've been on ever mm. since he said that mm -hmm. and figuring out different formats to do it and this podcast is just another format it's asking questions yeah. because I cannot help but ask questions, yeah. but because there's so much value, not only for me, mm -hmm. but for anybody listening. 100%. I'm a big believer. Like one question, one word can change everything. You know, when you go out on those nights or those days and you're, you find yourself in a coffee shop or a random place with random people and someone just says something and it clicks and you're like this is the reason why i came it's because i needed to hear that because that just rewired everything that was going on mm -hmm.
So take me back to before 10 years ago. Take me back maybe 29 years ago and how it all started. Okay, so it's funny because we've been friends for 10 years, but rarely do we sit and just talk about the stuff before we met. Right, right. I was born in Brazil, you know this. Mm. We share that immigrant story. When I grew up in Brazil, it was it was the only thing I knew. Just like anybody who's growing up in their country, you don't even realize other countries or other languages exist. Maybe you do, I didn't. And then when I was five, we were getting pizza. I remember walking in the middle of the street, holding my mom's hand, I was five, so I was small. And my two other siblings who were older, they were walking on either side. And my mom says this to us, this is in Portuguese. Hey guys, what do you think about going on an adventure? How would you like to move to America? I had no idea what America was. I didn't know it was a country. I didn't know I lived in a country and I didn't know moving to America would take me so far away from everything and everyone I knew. My brother and sister were not so thrilled. And I, I was like, what is that? What is America? And she's like, it's another country. Your uncle moved. That's where your uncle is. And we can go and start a new life. It'll be like a new adventure. And I'll never forget hearing my mom say, it'll be like a new adventure. It was like the moment where even though I was so young, it was exciting to go into the unknown. Mm -hmm. I think that's how a lot of my life has been lived subsequently. So mm -hmm. at five, we moved out of Rio mm -hmm. and we moved to Connecticut. We didn't speak any English. Did you guys speak English when you moved? No, I went to like an international school in Alexandria, Egypt, but not American English. That's a different world. I took French and I took English. I was nine, you know, so like it wasn't anything substantial. So I went and it wasn't easy. Like it was no English. It felt like zero. So we share that. Yeah. The struggle was yeah. real. Yeah. I was the youngest of three. So my sister was eight and my brother was 12. And my mom was a single mom. Her boyfriend came with us, but she went from being a businesswoman in Brazil, having a clothing store, mm -hmm. which most of my funky clothes people love, actually came from that store. Mm -hmm. So that store went bankrupt. So we decided to move. And when we moved, mom went from being an entrepreneur with a family of support mm -hmm. to being a nanny and a housekeeper. And she didn't speak any English and neither did we. So we got thrown into the school system and it was every man for themselves. Right. And because I was younger, I didn't have my siblings in my school to help me mm -hmm. or vice versa. And that was also huge for my transformation of like understanding color, understanding differences. Yeah, the earliest memories that I have in childhood were scrambling to learn English as fast as possible. And this yep. shift of me not being a kid anymore, mm -hmm. because when you're a kid, you have parents who can help you with homework, mm -hmm. who can help you with language. Mm -hmm. That was not the case for, for me and that was not the case for you. Mm -hmm. So when I was five, six, seven, I was just in a race. Yeah. Yeah. For survival. And you just grow faster than everyone around you. You realize that later, like yeah. now I'm still picking up the pieces of what that that past did to shape me. Totally. It absolutely shaped me. Absolutely. The reason we're both independent, the reason why we're both like, yeah, let's go on a road trip to Italy. Two yeah. girls who don't even know how to change a tire if it's flat, we could figure anything out. Yeah, yeah. I think it's because of that. Right. Tip number two, a not average Joe looks at challenges as an opportunity to grow and learn, not as a setback. After elementary school, I kind of blended in. I learned the languages. I never loved school. In high school, I started this business club and I planted the seed, which would later become the career that I now have in entrepreneurship. But I had no idea. I didn't know what I was doing. When I got my green card, by the time I was a senior in high school, I realized I had to go to school in New York City. I really wanted to live an international life. But before I even graduated high school, 
school, I asked the boss of a marketing agency who also happened to be the dad of the family that my mom nannied the children of. It's complicated, but it makes sense in the end. So he allowed me to go into his marketing agency and intern before I even went to college, which then led me to do over seven internships during my four years in college. By junior year, I didn't really know what I wanted to do, but I did get the chance to study abroad in Paris with no money, a credit card that had a $2,000 limit, and I started making YouTube videos with a friend turned business partner named Damon. And even though I was studying international business, I saw the magic of YouTube. And I thought, well, why don't I turn this YouTube channel into a business? But in the beginning, I always used YouTube as a portfolio to try to pitch TV shows to executives for a travel show because I thought there was a gap in the market. There were no travel shows for young people who didn't have that much money, but were interested in languages and culture. But because this is a not so average Joe story, I had several no's, $70,000 of college debt, and graduation approaching. So things were getting harder and harder. So where were we? We were, we're talking about... The day before graduation. Oh yeah, I got tons of no's. I got tons, tons of, of no's. We were making YouTube videos once a week, super loose. I was working in New York City. I got a job at a travel management company. Mm-hmm. Also had a job at a co-working space, mm-hmm. Grind Spaces, not to be confused with Grinder. <laughs> and everything I did was strategic. I would work on YouTube videos at the end of the shifts. I learned the ins and outs of the travel world in the travel management company, and I still wasn't convinced. You you took a job at the travel company after college? Mm Mm-hmm. For how long? I don't even remember you having a, a like a, a like job, a, like an office job. The highlight of my day was color coding spreadsheets, mm. and then I pitched the executives on creating a marketing role for me because I had ideas mm. and I knew how to work social media. So I pitched seminars to train the global travel agents because mm. it was a global company mm. to train them how to use social media to better engage with their clients. You're you're given authorship to create all of this. I'm not given it. This is the thing. I had to ask for it. Because you're, you had ideas. You're an ideas person. Like, if, if you guys don't know, like, Joanna's, like, constantly thinking of ideas. They spill out of every open crevice in her body. It's a beautiful thing. So you're, like, always an ideas person. You're like, I know how to make this better. Just give me the stage. Give me the stage. Give, Just me, give me the, the resources. Stage. Or I'll figure them out, which so I did. you fought for that. So I fought for that. And then the, the CMO at the time was getting all the shine but I was doing all of it. All the work, all the, yeah. They offered me a full-time job, and this was a huge moment Mm. that changed my life. The job that I was offered was full-time marketing coordinator. I'd basically be doing what I was doing, but just for more hours. And that would mean I would have to stop working at night at the co-working space, which was allowing me to build my YouTube channel. So it was gonna be a sacrifice, Mm. but it would come with a $45,000 salary. I went back and forth. I'm like, damn, this is this is the dream. This is what we all dream of, yeah. you know? Like, we'll yeah. get out of college. We'll get a salary doing something that I kind of think I want to we'll do. We'll start climbing the corporate ladder and, like, coordinator become CEO. And, and that's it. And this is part of my journey. And that's the goal. And then I had this back and forth, back and forth, you know, when you have to make a really tough decision. And that's when it hit me. I was like, I know what I know. Hmm. I can predict my life if I stay here. I'll take this job, I'll work full time, I'll get a shitty little apartment in New York. But what I don't know is what's gonna happen if I quit the job, move to Los Angeles, and do YouTube full time. 
And at that point, what did YouTube look like? We had 40,000 subscribers, which yeah. wasn't enough for one person to survive, let alone two. Mm. We weren't getting many brand deals. We did get brand deals from me pitching people on LinkedIn. Mm. The influencer marketing industry was not a thing yet. No. So I would have to pitch people and be like, hey, I can write this article for 200 bucks. Yeah. Hey, I can make this video for 500 bucks. Yeah. Totally undervaluing my word but this is how it started yeah but you believed that there was something in damon and joe that was very special and there was there was it was creating the opportunity for people to see themselves in us right like i never saw somebody travel with no money mm. you only saw people who traveled with money but here i was testament mm. with college debt credit card debt yeah living my best life in paris sure i was eating 20 cent baguettes yeah and sleeping on benches because I couldn't even afford a hostel when I went to Barcelona, but I was doing it. And if I could learn to film and edit and turn that into a story, not only would it be cool for other people to see, but it was cool for me to record this chapter of my life, mm. which combined all of my favorite things, right? Like I've always been a big time journaler. Mm -hmm. And now when I look back on it, I was just making visual journal entries of my life. Yeah, I have a link for every stage of my life. But it's the through line. It's the through line. And it's also cool because when you start something like a YouTube channel, you don't have overhead costs mm -hmm. other than your own blood, sweat, and tears. Right. So if I spent nights editing, it would create a product that I could put on the internet. And one day we made enough money to buy a cup of coffee. Yeah. And I saw that and I'm like, this is something. That's faith. That's this is faith. something. I, I just made a dollar. Yeah. Next month I want to make $3. Yeah. When I was making the decision to, to either take the full-time job or move to LA. And that's a huge fork in your life. Huge fork. Yeah. I decided to turn down the job offer. Wow. And I said I would quit and moved to Los Angeles, but I would find my replacement. I don't even know if you know this story. No. So I reached out to all the people I used to intern with. One of my peers interviewed for the same job that I was offered. We give her a tour. My boss really liked her. Great. She gets her offer when I'm sitting in the office and she gets offered $65,000 mm. for the same job. And that's when we start to see shadiness. Of skin color shades. Of color, yep. Of whatever it is that discrimination that was not cool racism runs everywhere and it was like a rattling and then you know what my boss at the time said she said joanna you're probably wondering why she was offered more and it's because she has six more months of office experience than you but it's not because you're not skilled because you're far more skilled than i could have ever imagined wow i looked this woman in the eyes and i said thank you i walked out and that was the moment that i was like I never want to work for anyone else ever again because my worth is not quantified accurately. Yep. And it's time to flip the tables. And it's time to flip the tables. Yep. We're going to say it that way now. <laughs> and the other stuff I'm going to have to say for the book yep. because that is a through line that I still see. Wow. 65,000 and they gave you 45. A few months later, I find out that my old boss had been let go. Mm. And then the girl was let go. Mm. Because they didn't see any value mm. in the department. Because mm. I was the value. Yeah, you were moving the needle. Yeah. How wild is that? It's not average. <laughs> <laughs> and then the year that followed, 
I went to LA with Damon yeah. and within the first year I was washing my hands in an office building where I was flipping the tables there because it was an MCN, multi-channel network is what, what it used to be called. Mm. It was these, these massive agencies that would get like thousands of YouTube channels mm. and you would sign up and they would promise you resources and management and brand deals in exchange for 30% of your AdSense. And at the time that was keeping us from living full time off of our AdSense alone. And I was pissed. I was like, you guys aren't doing anything. I'm here to renegotiate a contract. I want a signing bonus and everybody's jaw was dropping. I was I was angry. Mm. At this point, I'm like, I am not taking no for an answer. This yeah. is messed up. I finished the meeting. They agreed to renegotiate the contract to give us a better split. They agreed to give us a signing bonus. I mm. go to the bathroom and wash my hands and a woman was washing her hands. Mm. She's like, you're Joe, right? Mm. You have a travel channel with your friend Damon, right? We just pitched you for a job with AT&T. When can you guys come in and meet? Wow. That day we had a meeting that gave us a deal that matched the full-time salary that I was offered that I turned down. Incredible. And here, here it starts. And here was the last time I ever worked for anyone, which was in 2015. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra. And I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. So take me from 40,000 subscribers to a million subscribers. So over the next four years of living in LA and traveling around, we, we went crazy. It was like, okay, wake up Monday morning, make a pot of coffee and we sit and we ideate and we film and we edit and we film and we edit and we film and we edit. And then we started making videos in different languages, which was a really beautiful thing because I got to reconnect to my Brazilian side. Up until then it was dormant mm. and the Brazilian audience grew. Mm. Then we started making videos in French on Fridays. So from 40,000 subscribers when we first moved, in a year we had gotten 200,000 subscribers. Sheerly from mass production. And just focusing 100% of your time on it. Had no friends in LA, had yeah. no life in LA, was super dark, it was a dark time. Heads headline. down. Heads down, working. And when I was traveling it was to film nonstop. And it was fun, it was fun. But it was, it was all focused, we didn't have a plan B. And so we had 200,000 subscribers and then we started leveling off and getting paid well enough to live our dream lives and and that's kind of how my life has been ever since what was the top question you and Damon got all the time how did you figure out how to have the best job in the world yeah because we on paper did and I, I do yeah on paper I do yeah uh, and it was a lot of stuff people don't ever know about or will never hear about. It was the darkness of yeah. solitude, of getting no's, of mm. sacrificing all those hours editing. And it was, a, it was a, what I wanted to do. It was what I wanted to do. 
but it wasn't like someone gave it to us. Mm, you created the whole thing. We had a group of friends in college. We're still really good friends, the core four. Core four. We were always in the CAF, and you guys were involved in student government and yeah. doing all the things in the school, and I was running around New York City pitching executives. Yeah, you were. I was always like one foot in, one foot out. Mm. By the time Damon and I hit a million subscribers on YouTube, that was my goal, mm. right? It was like build a huge mission. Mm. There goes the church bells. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't this great? <laughs> so yeah, we hit a million subscribers and that was my goal. Mm. We created Shut Up and Go, which was a huge plan of mine too because I still wanted to have a huge business. That was a learning experience in and of itself. I met amazing people. We had 25 global contributors all around the world. And you guys were, were a legitimate company. Like a legitimate company. You were a legitimate LLC. You had employees working for you all over the world. You were making videos like a machine. We started filming shows and that's when I started learning that I was good at memorizing talking points and delivering mm. them. And, and that's a skill on its own, mm. which I really liked. Yes. And wanted to experience more of. And that comes in handy for a later part. Which is... Netflix. <laughs> to wrap up the Damon and Joe chapter, what are your biggest takeaways from that partnership? I think partnership is beautiful. When you are working with someone who you know is a hard worker, it's it's not one plus one is two, it's like one plus one is four. Synergy. Because if I wasn't feeling it, he would get up and, and was feeling it and then I would start feeling it or vice versa, right? Like it's somebody to keep accountable mm -hmm. and somebody that keeps you accountable. And there's nothing like accomplishing something something and looking at that person's eyes and being like damn we've done this together yeah. I think that's beautiful and I would never trade that for the world the other side of partnership is that you end up sacrificing a lot of your individuality for the sake of the togetherness and when we started working together I was only 19 and by the time we ended working together I was 27 so when you're 19 you want very different things than when you're almost 30 mm. and I had realized I was bearing tons of my ideas and, and my desires like writing or or like hosting TV or, or anything that I wanted to do. I was putting that in the back burner, but it was getting louder and louder in my head. Mm. And I have notebooks, I have receipts of this from 2014, 2015, 2016 of all yeah. these ideas. And I, I remember I was flipping through my notebooks and I was tired of seeing these ideas that had never been born for the sake of a mission that I felt like was accomplished. We hit a million subscribers, we inspired millions of people. Yeah, We did our part. It's time to graduate. It was like two rounds of college. Yeah. I think life should be looked at in cycles of four years and you can learn a lot. Like when you think about freshman year of high school or college, how different are you freshman year to senior year? Yeah. Imagine doing two stages of that, yeah. doing the same thing. Yeah. It was time to move on. Scary, mm. very challenging, very emotional. And the way the cookie crumbled wasn't my ideal way of doing it, but everything comes to an end. And so that brings us to the next stage, which was this crazy email that I got about the Netflix opportunity. And that's been the last huge journey yeah. that has just kind of come to fruition and is yeah. now on Netflix. Yeah. Like now I have a whole new chapter. Like even thinking about that, how many chapters in my life have, have passed that it's like, oh, Damon and Joe wasn't the last thing. Netflix wasn't the last thing. Or like, you know, you, you just keep growing and evolving. Yeah. It wasn't the, the club in high school that was the biggest thing I accomplished. It yeah. wasn't the internships that I did in college. It, it builds. Yeah, it compounds. Now your average Joe, tip number three, compounding. There's a reason finance is what it is. The not so average Joe understands that everything you do builds and allows you to do more and more and more only if you recognize that everything you've done 
has led you to this moment. But before Netflix, I want to talk about a huge life event. Tell me what happened in February of 2017. My baby girl. So it's it's funny. I like forget. Yeah, and it's I think it's like incredible that you forget because another reason why you're not average. You know, people carry that and they like make it their thing and their identity, and they walk around being like, you know, I got into a huge car accident 20 years ago, and I'm like still, you know, and you have gotten through so much, and you're always looking to build more and find more and be more, and it just makes you a, like a denser, richer person. You don't walk around saying, I got shot in 2017, but in short, and it changed my entire life, I and it was a huge pivotal moment but you got shot i got shot in your home country in the street i should have gone down every single day of my life if i were to have been raised in rio right around the corner from home right around the corner from home from my dad's apartment right around the corner of where i remember growing up climbing trees i got shot so i haven't thought about it in a while yeah it's just how do you feel about it now I feel like it was exactly what you said, a pivotal moment in my life. I think it gives me a little bit more like of a profound understanding of everything, yeah. of life and death, of maktub, which is my favorite word. Mm. It's been written. When I got shot, it was definitely a wake-up call, but it wasn't a wake-up call in the way people would expect. Like, you know when somebody goes through a near-death experience and they're like, I haven't been living my life. It's time to wake up and live my life. I didn't feel like that mm. because I had been living my life. Yeah. What I did feel was I was a responsible piece of the puzzle to tell people that morning I did not wake up thinking I was going to get shot and almost die. It was another morning. It was another week. It was a morning where I woke up. I was arguing with my mom. I was arguing with my friends. I don't remember the last time I caught up with my siblings. Mm. There was no urgency in my day mm. that would tell me. I'm sure many of us listening can relate. Like another day where I'm not speaking to my brother. It's just another day. Yeah. It's just another day. We give it no value. And so when, when later that day, mm. hours after I was dancing on the street, because it was the last day of carnival in Brazil, mm. I was with my dad. I got in the car with my aunt and uncle. They were going to drive me home. I was going to go to a party in Copacabana. Then next scene is robbers in the middle of the street, blocking the street, waiting for whoever comes down next with guns. And we never stopped. The car never stopped. And they started shooting because we went over one of their motorcycles. Wow. And, you know, when, I, when you think about your life, it feels like we're invincible. And unless you've gone through something life-changing like that, you really never expect that it would happen to you. So when I smelled gunpowder in the air and when I saw flares of bullets flying towards our car and when I felt like the sheer fear for survival, not only of my survival, but my family, mm. it was a time where I was like, one, you say you're strong, you have to be strong now. And two, if it ended now, would it be okay? would I have ended it the way that I wanted to end it? And the truth is it wouldn't be hmm. because I was fighting with people I cared about. Hmm. I hadn't reached out to the people I most love. Like the truth is I wasn't living as honestly as I could have been, right? Like back to the, the things that I did want to do that I was pushing to the side because you think you have forever. Yep. 
We think we have forever. We hold everything off until tomorrow because in our minds we're invincible. No, we're not entitled to anything, actually. And we, we don't have forever. But we really never talk about mortality. Yeah. Until something like this happens. Yeah, yeah. And this is, this is why, inshallah, is so important. Because you think you're entitled to time. So you say, yeah, we're going to meet up next year in France. We're going to do this whole thing with our friends. Inshallah. Because you're not entitled to time. Like, time is not with you. You, you live every day sending the good text messages, making the good phone calls. Doing what you know you need to do because you want to do it. Spending time with the people you love. Because you don't know what's going to happen. It, it's, a, it's a normal day until it's not. And I turned the corner and it was not. And it was not. And then I felt heat in my back. And I lost my air for a second. And I said out loud words I never thought I would say in Portuguese. Which were? Eu levei um tiro nas costas, which translates to I just got shot in the back. And I put my right hand on my back. I was wearing a crop top. So it was like a clean, mm. like clean bullet through. Mm. And there was just heat of blood on my hand. Wow. It's funny when you're in a moment like that, adrenaline is the most fascinating thing on earth. Everything slows down. I can recall every second of what happened. Wow. And Did you realize you... Yeah, I did realize. But, but, but then you said you just felt heat. You didn't feel the... I didn't feel... The initial impact. Until I felt the blood. Wow. And I realized... The adrenaline was so high that you didn't even feel... I didn't even feel... The bullet the going, going through your back. You don't feel it... You wow. are in heightened survival. You are like your eyes open wider. Your yeah. nostrils, like your senses are completely engaged because you're trying to figure out what is your solution for survival. How to get out. Yeah. What is survival in this moment? And in that moment, it was staying calm. And the car never stopped. My uncle and aunt are spectacular. We're bonded for life because of this. And my little cousin too in the car. Like none of us have forgotten that moment. No one else got hit, thank God. And 30 seconds later, they pulled up to a hospital. We, like, swerved away from the criminals. Hmm. But they were shooting. They shot nine or ten bullets in the car. No one else got hit. And they were aiming to kill because they were pissed. And when we get to the hospital, everybody piles out of the car and everybody's in shock. And for whatever reason, I was, like, not in a hurry. Hmm. I looked to my left and I saw this gaping hole where I should have been sitting. I was sitting in the middle of the car because I was telling a story. And when I saw that hole where my head should have been, I started shaking my head. Mm. And I was just like, there is something strong protecting me. There is something very strong protecting me and I will do my part to share the message that nothing in this lifetime is promised because this morning I did not wake up thinking I was gonna be shot. I don't even know if I'll be paralyzed. In your home. like In my home country. In your home country, in your neighborhood. Where I was removed by my mom to raise us. Mm. Outside. Outside of violence. I'm yeah. on vacation and I get shot. In the back. Yeah. The bullet is hugging my spine. I mean, I, this is like an to, unbelievable story. Today. Like it's, and this is the thing, like we don't I'm talk still, about it. Yeah, and I'm, I'm still, I, I listen to it like it's the first time every time. So then what happens next is I lift myself up out of the car. This is actually comical. You lift yourself up? Yeah, because I was going to the gym, remember? I was going so hard at the gym. Yeah. 
I was ripped. Mashallah, she was. I was in ripped. Very good shape. Ready to get shot. Ready, ready to face anything. I yeah. was in training. Yeah. I was like a little tank. Yeah. So I lift myself up with my super ripped arms, and I start limping my way to the hospital. What singing. was the reaction of others around you? Were they screaming? My uncle and aunt and cousin were like really distraught. Take, checking themselves because again you don't know yeah. if you got shot yeah yeah because the adrenaline is crazy so everybody was checking themselves i knew i got shot so i started limping out of the car and the nurses came out and i was like help help i just got shot somebody help me like it's actually funny <laughs> because you know how i am like solution oriented yes. i'm like i just got shot somebody help me i need help right now wow. and they took such a long that time is so you joe because you have people around you you have people that can, you can say like, can you please take me out of the car? Can you help me out no. of the car? But that's not Joe. <laughs> she does not ask for help. The nurses came out with a chair. I was already lifting my body up, putting myself on the cot in the hospital. You have a, a bullet in your body. They didn't believe me. They did not believe me because, because you I was were not walking. screaming. Yeah, I wasn't panicking. Incredible. I was that's like, incredible. I just got shot. Somebody take it out of me. Yeah. I get into the hospital bed and they say... Well, you're going to have to calm down. You probably didn't even get shot. Maybe it went right through you. There are no doctors in the hospital because they're on strike. Oh, third world country. It's 9 p.m. You have to wait until 10 in the morning when the next doctor comes in. So just relax. I'm like, it's not the time to relax. And then I'm looking up at the white tiles, not knowing if I would walk again. Mm. And I'm just like, damn, I'm alive. I'm going to live the shit out of my life. Because... Today, I did not know I was going to get shot. And now I'm still alive. I'm going to crack as many jokes. People yeah. were getting mad because I was yeah. making jokes in the yeah. hospital. I'm like, you guys, I didn't die. Yeah. So we're going to be laughing. Let's have a good attitude. time. Let's have a good time. Mm. Which brings me to Not Your Average Joke tip number four. It's not about what happens. It's about how you handle it. That was crazy. The next morning, the doctors came, barely slept. Mm. I texted you. Mm-hmm. From the I remember hospital. getting that text, yeah. And like, how weird is that text? I texted that, Fernanda. That was the most like heart-wrenching text I could ever receive. And you sent me a picture even. You sent me a selfie in the hospital. Because <laughs> I'm like, I'm alive. I was like, I want to be where you are right now. At the time, you needed visas to go to Brazil. Yeah. So I texted my sister and I was like, I just got shot in the back. I'm okay. Don't tell mom. And she's like, What? I just got shot in the back. Nonchalant. Don't tell mom. Don't tell mom. I didn't tell my mom for four days. Wow. Because I knew she was going to kill me. <laughs> <laughs> she was going to kill you for being shot? Because I didn't die. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> the next morning, uh, they ran tests and they said that I did have a bullet in my back. And they were not going to operate because it was too close to my spine. And if they did operate, they could move it and paralyze me. Mm. And asked if I had been working out. I said yes. They were like, yeah, your muscle absorbed a lot of the shock. Incredible. Maktoub. Like, please, everyone, work out. Please work out. Time. This is not just for looking good in bikinis. Mm -mm. It is your armor mm -hmm. of your organs. Yes. And then 12 hours later, they let me go. And I told them, I was like, damn, I just started getting comfortable. Wow. So they just patched it up? Patched it up. Put gauze on it. A little medical tape. You still, to this day, have a bullet in your body. I still, to this day, have a bullet in my body. And it's like a little extra piece of me to remind me and everyone else. Mm -hmm. Nothing is promised. Mm -mm. And you don't go around saying, I got shot. It's actually one of the last things we hear about Joe when she's 
in a room and she's talking about herself. Because I didn't want it to be a victim moment. Mm. I remember I cried the, the day I, I went home. I cried, but I wasn't crying because of what happened to me. Mm. I was crying because this is the reality of growing up in a third world country. It is. I was crying because how many people get shot and don't survive to tell the tale. I was crying because this is the reality my cousins and my family and people I've never met that are wonderful people, this is the reality they have to deal with. Mm. It was like I was crying a thousand tears for the people that aren't so lucky. Mm. Wow. For violence in general. Yeah. How shitty is it? Right? Like for the fact that a car is worth more than a human life. And this is the truth of the American dream. The reality is when my mom decided to move us from Brazil to the US, it was to avoid raising us in violence. The irony is that I went back on vacation and got shot. So it's obvious that the sacrifice and the move wasn't for no reason, but it took me getting shot to really understand it. Going after the American dream is leaving a home that you might love filled with people you love. And it's all for the chance of doing something better with your life, whether you're escaping poverty, violence, or anything else that you really can't avoid by staying, you leave. And as the kid of somebody who immigrated for the sake of me having all of this new opportunity to be raised in a small town with a good education system, every single thing that I've done has been to repay my mom and my family for the sacrifice. And that's why I love connecting to people like Omnia. Most of my friends have a story like this, where their parents were cab drivers or nannies or housekeepers and we're the ones that get to benefit from the fruits of their labor. And in essence, that just gives us the not so average qualities. If you're an immigrant kid, you most likely struggle to define home. You don't know where you really belong. You're a third culture kid. And everything that you do is to make that sacrifice worthwhile. That's absolutely me and that's also Omnia. The American dream has been a huge piece of the journey. The conclusion of the immigration story, I think, is that everything in my life has been to pay back. And same for you. Yes. The sacrifice. 100%. We work. There is no plan B. Yep. We make it worthwhile. We make it work, yeah. Our mind is like, it's wired to be scrappy always. Survival, because there is no other option. Gritty, always. Get creative. My favorite part about this whole journey has not only been living my journey, but, but being able to befriend people like you who share similar journeys because the amount of grit that we have... As, yeah. a, as a collective yeah. is enough for volumes and volumes of books. Yeah. And it brings us closer together. And super, super lucky and grateful to have you. You are the best friend. You are the best friend. You've seen it all. Likewise. Yeah. Joe would write these, uh, and I, I actually brought one and I'll take it out. You, you would write these like super long cards. Because <laughs> Joe's a writer. She's a journaler. She journals everything. She's, she documents. She saves because she's grateful for it and she wants to remember it forever. So she writes. She can write. If you are getting a birthday card from Joe or a good luck on this next chapter from Joe, then you're getting a novel and you would write these super long messages on birthday cards. What did I write? Just beautiful things like I want you to read this in many years from now and I always hope to see you successful and happy and in love and just very beautiful sweet messages like that but it it was like it was like seeing that that when when you're surrounded by people that do that you're like i i want to be a better person i want to be the one who gives cards like that 
And I remember your cards having so much. I didn't grow up with birthday gifts and birthday cards. My parents were like, they were so Egyptian, and they're still so Egyptian. And my parents, outside of the Egyptian part, like both of them, are not like meticulous, detailed people. They don't like care for holidays and anniversaries and gifts and things like that. So it was you guys. It was the core four who like raised me to be a better. Giver and to be to care for small things that make the difference like that and I remember this you would write the most amazing cards and I was like I need to write like Joe and I, when I give cards I need to write like Joe I need to write everything I feel because it's a beautiful act of love and you know you do because I have those cards too and if that was the last card Joe gets to write or I get to see like. What a beautiful way to leave it, you know? We make each other better for sure. 100%. Which rolls us right into not your average Joe tip number five. A not so average Joe surrounds themselves with people who not only make them better, inspire them, but who uplift them. Surround yourself with cheerleaders, with people who win when you win. What do you think your not so average Joe takeaways are from this conversation? Well, I think everything in your life has built you up for the next thing. Like I'm looking at themes, like the way you reacted to your mom's. We're going to America. You don't know what that is. You responded with bright, sparkly eyes, probably, and getting so excited that curiosity is around the corner. We're going to a place that I don't know. Instead of what an average kid would respond with, which is. No, what? <laughs> I want to be near grandma or things like that. Your love for languages and being like an ESL ninja and superpower woman who was able to use that forte of hers to meet people and teach them and help them. I think that's one of your other things that we don't talk about. You love to help. I love it. All of this is so you can help those around you, and you're intense about it. But. <laughs> And then the like doing it all, like curiosity, languages. I'm not gonna only take French. What? I'm gonna take French and Italian. I'm gonna take French and Italian and violin and the saxophone. And I'm gonna go to school. And I'm gonna get out of school and help my mom clean homes. There's always a creative solution. Yeah, and and not a lot of people see life that way. You know what else I think is really important as like. Not so average Joe takeaway. It's looking at your past and thinking, how can you use this to build upon? Yeah. How do you look at what you've experienced and build upon that and get it closer to your authentic truth? I think that's the journey. Like, what can you do to take what you've just lived and experienced, whether it was a job or an internship or a life experience? Yeah. How do you make that and turn it into something else? The key to not being an average Joe is leveraging. You don't need to have any money. You don't even need to have support. Really, you don't need to have an example. Yeah. You are your own example. Yeah, in and, your past. Yeah, and I think it all starts with believing that you're not average. Like the first step is like I'm different. I can do different things. And once you start to believe that, then you can make your own rules. Because we all are different. Merely by being who you are, you're not average. Because no one is just like you. No one has your interests. No one has your skills. No one has your curiosity. No one has your essence. No one has your past, your history, your no family. No one has your aura. No one has your future. And it's that you. is it. Yeah. Wow. Yalla Vina. Yalla Vina. And that's it, y'all. 
Thank you so much for listening. Next week, we'll come back with another episode chock full of those not-so-average tips about language learning with a good friend of mine, Brian Wiles, who became a YouTube sensation with his journey learning Egyptian Arabic. You're going to want to hear his wisdom. We talk about life. We talk about language learning. And we talk about the real nitty-gritty details on what it means to become fluent in a language. And in the meantime, don't forget to like and follow wherever you get your podcasts. And follow me on Instagram, Joe underscore Franco, to hear updates from my daily travels. This podcast was produced and edited by me. The interview was conducted by the lovely Omnia Chemist. And the theme song was created and performed by my sister, Fernanda Franco. Hey, yo, come listen to my girl, man. What you doing? Shit. 